It's not just a good song, it's a good principle. Whatever you're facing tonight, it doesn't really matter. Big, little, medium size, you can bring all of your burdens to Him. And there's a secret. Cast all of your cares on Him, for He cares for you. I remember an old song we used to sing back in Pentecost years ago. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. But we tend to take it and then pick it back up and take it back home, don't we? It's just that element about us humans that's so fearful to be able to totally trust the Lord. I've never flown an airplane in my life, and I'm too old to start learning now. But every time I've ever been on one and got in turbulence, I just have to be honest. I wish I was in control. I mean, I just think I could do something. I could be able to get us out of this mess that we're in. But you know the end of that story. I would have been history by now if I would have done that. And it's the same way with the Lord. Whenever we face things that we just think, oh my goodness, what in the world? How is this going to out, outcome going to be? What's it going to do? But does anybody know of any battle tonight God's ever lost? Anybody? None of us. Wow. That would be encouraging. Total silence. So none of us tonight know of any battle that God has ever lost. Is there any one of his children that he's ever forsaken? No matter how wrong they were, how weak they were, has there ever been a time that he's not kept his word? Can anybody tell me of any instance God ever failed to keep his word? Wow. There's not a governor, a king, a mayor, a preacher, a mama, a daddy, a nobody else that we could say that about. So why is it we still get fearful? But we do, don't we? We do. And you know what? He knew we would. So this is why he himself experienced fear. Jesus got afraid. He got afraid. Because there's something about this flesh that gets afraid. But I'm so glad that he allowed himself to be afraid. So when I get afraid and you get afraid, that we've got a high priest that we can go to and we can say, you remember how you felt? You remember how you were and you prayed to dodge the cross. Now I need you, Lord. Aren't you glad we have such a king tonight? God bless you. We're so honored tonight, Brother Aaron, to be back this way with us, and we're just so thankful. Uh, they went up to be with Brother Ron this, this weekend, and I text him and ask him when this coming through again so we could be able to use him again. So we're just so happy and so thankful. So the Lord knows exactly what each of us need here tonight. We want to just open our hearts and pull on the gift of God. Now, don't worry about whether or not he's studied according to what you need. That really doesn't even matter. Here at the service Sunday morning, the first 15 minutes, I was totally and completely lost. I had no idea why I was going where I was going. I had no idea why I was going the direction I was going. Totally mesmerized. And then after about 15 minutes, something like that, the Lord let me get back to where I thought I was supposed to be. But you know what? God has his way. So no matter what you need this tonight, Brother Aaron may have preached in a direction. You announce it, he announced his text. Oh, no, that ain't what I need. Don't worry. Pull him. Pull him in the direction that you need. Praise the Lord. 
You see, that's the thing that will never happen when you're listening to a tape. I love tapes. I listen to them myself. And if you don't, you're doing wrong. But you will never be able to pull a tape in the direction that you need to hear it. Never. You just can't do it. But a live, gifted ministry. He may be preaching on the millennium. And you say, I don't need the millennium. I need now. I need right now. I've got something I need. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God grabs a hold of him. And he's just saying, no, 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 no. That's not my notes. No, I, I can't go that way. But you have a need. And God pulls you that way. So whatever you need tonight, let's just bring it before him. Open our hearts to the Lord. Let's just pray before our brother comes. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful you're that kind of a God. We're asking you now, Lord Jesus, once again, that you would just perform a miracle. It is truly a miracle. The prophet said one of the hardest things that you have to do is to get one mortal, one human, to believe another one. So, Lord God, we're believing tonight that you are going to perform that once again. You're going to take a mortal and anoint that mortal with your presence and be able to speak words of life, words of deliverance, words of peace, whatever we need, not only this visible audience, but the invisible, those that are sick, those that are weary, Lord God, meet every need tonight, we pray, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you, brother. God bless you, saints. It's wonderful to be with you again. And just want to take the opportunity to say once again how much I appreciate Brother Donnie and his ministry and how much I appreciate this congregation and uh, many of you I've known for many, many years and we've been coming to visit for many, many years and we really love and appreciate you and we appreciate the friendships that we have here. We appreciate your stand for the word, amen. And If you have your Bibles with, with you, I don't want to um, keep you standing long. Let's go ahead and turn. We're going to look to Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter, as we get into the word. And like Brother Donnie said, I just, I pray that the Lord will take complete control and and, and get me out the way and allow, allow him to have the preeminence in this service because we know that there's nothing that I could do or say that would benefit you in any way. But when he comes and takes control, when, when he comes and anoints, that's, that's when things of eternal value can take place. Amen. Amen. So we're going to look in Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter in the, in the first verse, and we'll read verses one, two, and three. Actually, we'll just read verses one and two right now. It says, and when the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Let's pray once again. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord, to gather with, with believers, Lord, and to, and to be together. But, Lord, what we're looking to now and asking now, Lord, is that you'll come and take control. 
Lord, every word, Lord, every thought, Lord, may it, Lord, find your perfect will and resting place tonight, Father. Lord, we're just asking that you'll not only remove me out of the way, but the listener as well. And allow us, Lord God, allow us, Lord, to, to allow the word to have an impact in our lives, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you have your seats. I'd like to speak to you for a, for a moment tonight on total war for total victory. Total war for total victory. And, and what we're reading here, I, I like how the Lord is speaking on uh, on what he is going to do for Israel as they come into the promised land. And what you'll find is he speaks very straightforward, very matter-of-factly. He doesn't operate in maybes. He doesn't operate in, in hope-sos. Because the, the difference between him and us is he doesn't have to wonder. He already knows. You know, sometimes we wonder how things are going to go and we wonder how things are going to turn out. But God doesn't have to wonder. He knows. So because of that, he can speak matter of fact and he can say, when I bring you into the land. And he can say, and when the Lord shall deliver them before thee. Because this is, this is how God operates. When he speaks a word or when he, whenever he makes a promise, that word is going to come to pass. It doesn't matter what he has to do. It doesn't matter if he has to bankrupt heaven, move nations, bring down empires, whatever he has to do. When he speaks a word, it is going to come to pass. We see that when he, he told Abraham, he said that your seed is going to sojourn in a strange land for 400 years. But after that, they're going to be delivered. And then not only am I going to deliver them, but there's a land that already belongs to them that I'm going to take them to. Now, when you look at all that, there was a lot of things that stood in the way of the fulfillment of all of that. First of all, Egypt was a mighty nation, and they were slaves. Secondly, there was a Red Sea, and then thirdly, they were going to need food, and they were going to need water. And then when they got there, there was Jericho. There was a lot of things that made it look as if it was impossible. I'm sure there's a lot of things in your life tonight that makes the situation you're facing seem impossible. I'm thankful that I can tell you tonight that we serve a God of impossibilities. Because even though they were slaves, Egypt was brought to its knees. Even though there was a Red Sea in the way, the Red Sea was rolled back. Oh, they were going to need food, so it rained down from heaven. They were going to need water, so it came out of a rock. The, 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 the Jordan River rolled back, and the walls of Jericho crumbled because God had said, you're going to be delivered. I'm I'm going to take you through and there's a land that you're going to possess and because he said it all of those things came to pass so whatever's in your way tonight whatever you're looking at tonight oh yeah there was a red sea in the way absolutely but he said he looked down through angry eyes through the pillar of fire and the red sea got scared and had to move out of the way that sickness tonight in your life he's looking at it tonight through the pillar of fire through angry eyes that situation facing your family He's looking tonight with angry eyes and is going to move out of your way as is everything else that's trying to hinder the bride of Jesus Christ from taking a rapture. He's looking tonight with angry eyes and it's going to roll out the way because it will not and cannot be stopped because the word has been spoken. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Once he has spoken it, it will come to pass. Amen. Brother Branham says that when he speaks a word, he has to stay with it. He said it's already confirmed in heaven. You know, we've said it before. The only place that the word of God is debated is here. 
It's not debated in heaven. They know that it is that it's going to be the truth. It's going to come to pass. Amen. Amen. You say, well, Brother Aaron, my problems are really starting to stack up. Join the club. You are not special in that regard. My problems are really beginning to stack up and the odds don't look so good. Well, that's okay because God tells them here in the opening scripture, he says there are seven nations there that are mightier than you. Not just seven nations, but each and every one of these nations on their own would whoop you. But by the way, you're not going to fight just one of them. You're going to fight all seven of them. But I want you to remember something. The strength of our adversary only serves to magnify the strength of our God. It's a big battle, Brother Aaron. It's tough. That's okay. It's going to be the greatest victory that you've ever experienced in your life. It's only going to serve to magnify and lift up the testimony that our God is greater. Our God is mightier. That the battle is the Lord's. Listen, it's his tonight. I can't win it. You can't win it. When we get to the place that we recognize our backs against the wall, there's nowhere else to turn just step on over to the tree of life keep going tonight his bad his strength is sufficient in your battle i believe that with all my heart tonight whatever you're facing whatever you're facing and as soon as he lets them know that there's seven and that it's going to be impossible for them he says and when the lord thy god shall deliver them before thee thou shalt smite them Thou shalt smite them. So whatever you're facing, remember, you got a job to do. you got a part to play in this victory. Whatever you're facing today, he goes on to say, and when the Lord, he says, and the Lord shall deliver you. Listen, he didn't bring you out to abandon you. There's something that we always have to keep in mind, that the same power that brought you out, is the same power that's going to take you in. There is a calling out and there is a taking in. You may be in the wilderness today. You may be struggling. Look for the rock. Look for the rock. You may be in the valley, but there's water in your valley. He will sustain you. He will keep you. And he will take you across. It's not just a calling out. I'm thankful for the calling out. But there's got to be a people that say, I'm going in. I'm not staying here. I'm going in. I'm going forward. Amen. Will it be easy? Not one inch of it. Not one inch of it's going to be easy. I believe we all know that by now. It's not going to be easy. We're in a battle. We're in a constant war. And you're going to fight for every parcel of ground you take. For every inch you gain. And the Lord says little by little he's going to deliver them. Look, sometimes you feel like you fight for a month, you fight for six months, you fight for a year, and boy, I bet I've made great progress. I'm so much farther along. Three feet. But let me tell you something, that three feet was worth gaining. That three feet was worth fighting for because it's three feet that the devil don't have. That means I took more. Listen, why is he after you? Why is he fighting? Because he wants the ground that you got. So I'll tell you, if he wants it, it's worth fighting for. It's a position worth holding. Stand there tonight and say, no, it's mine. And not only is this mine, but I'm going to take more. I'm going to possess more. I'm going to gain more ground. We got to keep be moving forward, ever moving forward. Never giving up ground, but fighting for more. 
But Abraham says, now Satan will constantly punch at you until you're finished here on the earth. Just remember that you'll never have a time but when there's a punch going on all the time because you're in a battle. Did you ask to come to Christ to, to go on a picnic? Well, you're sure going to be surprised because it's a constant battle. Listen, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but the world is not getting better. Things are not getting better. It's getting worse day by day by day, and there's no turning this train around. It's a runaway train, and it's going down. It's been prophesied to go down, but that's okay because in that same prophecy, there's a bride that goes up. It may be going down, but there's somebody elevating. There's somebody rising. There's somebody gaining new heights each and every day, and that's where I identify. I'm not on this runaway train. I'm not going down this way. We got off that train. It reminds me of sometimes you hear people say, well, yeah, Brother Branham was a God-called man, but he got off at this point. And he got off at that point. I say, you're exactly right. And I got off with him. I got off that train that was going the wrong way. I got off that train that was going to a tribulation. And I got over on the Glory Express. And it's going to take me out of here. This train's going in a rapture. This world may be running the wrong way. But there's a people that's got a ticket. They've got a token. It's been purchased with the blood of Jesus. And we'll rise this train all the way to a body change hallelujah hallelujah but while we're here it ain't gonna get no easier the devil's attacks aren't going away and you're gonna be punched at until you're finished here but I'm not worried about it I'm not worried about it because God is a God of total war he is a man of war and he is determined that your victory will be won by any means necessary. That's his attitude towards the battle. Any means necessary. Whatever it takes. Listen, our God is all in. He's all in, but what he wants is a people that are all in. Not half in, half out, maybe this, maybe that. God, whatever it takes, whatever I got to surrender, wherever you need me to be, whatever your word says, I'll line up to it because I'm all in tonight. I don't want this right here guiding me. I don't want this right here to lead me. I don't want to depend on this right here to win the battle. But God, I'm all in for whatever your battle plan says. Whatever your word says, I'm all in tonight. I give you everything tonight. I lay it all aside. Listen, I've gotten trouble a lot in my life, and it was always when I made decisions based off what I thought was good for me. Emotional, irrational, in the moment. Well, this is what's best. Every time. I've never gotten trouble by letting the Lord lead me. I've never gone astray letting the Lord lead me. I say tonight, Lord, lead me where you want me. Maybe this job looks great. Maybe this college looks great, but if it ain't what God wants for you, it ain't great. I can tell you that. Lean 100% into him because, listen, I'm batting zero on decisions I've made. I've been put on the bench. But when I let him step up to the plate for me, I'm batting 1,000. Every single time it works out in my favor. The difference is, let me tell you this, because as humans... There's an instinct in us of self-preservation. We make a decision that's best for us in that moment. God don't make decisions based off of this moment. His decisions are eternal decisions. And because we're basing it off the moment, we can't see beyond the moment. And we're making decisions that maybe right in that moment sustain us. But he's making decisions for your eternal good. That's why you look at a scripture that says all things work together for good. And I'm going... 
There's no way. There is no way that this is for my good. But he's not looking at now. He's not even looking at next week. He's going to make everything work together for your eternal good. For the good of your soul. So on that day, on that day, not this day, but on that day, you can look and go, it was for my good. It was for my good. I got here because he worked it for my good. Amen. He wants us totally committed, totally surrendered from our own thoughts, from our own ideas, from what mom and daddy's ideas were. He wants to where we can completely surrender to his ideas. Listen, we get in the way of our victory about as much as the devil does. That poor devil takes a beating sometimes for stuff you did wrong. Well, the devil and the devil and the devil... You're talking mighty ugly about yourself. Because this is decisions you made. You're standing in a place that you put yourself. Think about it. Lay your ideas aside. Lay them down and say, Lord, lead me. Let me get out of the way. Let my pride get out of the way. Let my ideas get out of the way. Anything contrary to the word of God, let me get it out of the way so that I can have total victory. Amen. What did he say there at the end of our opening verse? He said, Thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. We have to get to the place that we recognize we're not playing games. That we're not pampering stuff and we're not babying stuff. Listen, when's the last time the devil took it easy on you? When's the last time he took it easy on your family? When's the last time he took it easy on this church? Then why are we trying to make deals with the devil? We got to go in with the same attitude of I will destroy. I will utterly destroy. I won't leave him alive. I won't give him no grace. I won't give him no mercy. This ain't church. We're not playing church. This is war. This is real. And tonight I'm here to destroy. I'm here to tear down. I'm here to have total victory in my life. It's not games. It's real war. It's time we quit sitting back and trying to out-strategize him. Quit sitting back and trying to out-argue him. Trying to out-debate him. Trying to out-think him. Smite him. And utterly destroy him. That's what the word tells him to do here. It's total war. We spent, so, we spent way too much time learning how to live with devils. Instead of casting devils out and cutting their heads off. Listen, there ain't a message church should be out there teaching you how to cope with your pornography habit. We shouldn't be teaching you how to cope with that anxiety and how to live with it. I say, listen, it's time to go into the valley, make the giant face to face and say, on this day, on this day, your head's coming off. We're not here to cope with. We're here to cast out. We're here to overcome. We're here to defeat, not make a peace treaty. Well, if you'll leave me alone today and you'll leave me alone tomorrow. No, sir, I don't want him to leave me alone. I want him to come face me tonight. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, his head will come off. We're not called to cope with the enemy. We're called to destroy the enemy. Take his head off. Face your giant tonight. Hallelujah. We should be casting spirits out. Getting people to the Holy Ghost. 
where they can live an overcoming life. Not cope with these things. Amen. Listen, Saul and his army coped with Goliath. Well, he's in the valley again. You know, guys, if we'll just stay up here and not bother him. Just you shut your tent door. Shut it. He might think one of us want to go down there. Listen, as we mature, Brother Donnie, and, and grow in the Lord, then Goliath will just leave the valley. No. He won't. He's not going to leave the valley till somebody says, I'm not here to cope with it. Somebody says, listen, Saul, you may look the part. You may stand up higher over everybody. You may tote your Bible just right. But you're a coward and you're hiding in the tent. But somebody's going to go down into the valley. Brother Branham said his boast fell on the wrong ears that day. There was a new set of ears in the camp. And there's a new set of people on the earth today that says, I won't be beat down. I won't have to cope with it. I won't live with it. But I'm coming into the valley tonight to face it face to face I'm coming into the valley it's your valley tell him get out of my valley get out of my valley I'm here to face the enemy tonight it's war brother Brown says what we need is old-fashioned God-sent heaven-born preachers who will tell the truth regardless who it hurts like John who said the axe is laid to the root of the tree. And every tree that not bringeth forth good fruits is hewn down and cast into the fire. We need preachers, prophets like that who will bombard and use the judgments of God for ammunition. To tear up this wicked condition that we're living in. You can never rid sin by patting it on the back. You can never rid sin by educating people. Our programs has become demolished and have failed. There's only one remedy for sin, and that is Christ is that remedy. And not Christ through intellectual confession, but through the baptism of the Holy Ghost to a new life and a regeneration. That's the only remedy for sin, only remedy for our nation. It's the only remedy for our church. It's the only remedy for the people. Total war. The new birth. He said there in verse 2, to utterly destroy. What does destroy mean? Destroy means to put an end to the existence of, of something by attacking it. Synonyms consume, crush, dismantle, end, eradicate, gut, kill, shatter, smash, wipe out. This is what you are supposed to be doing to the enemy. Smash him. Wipe him out. Gut him. Gut him. I kind of like that one. That sounds violent. Yep, war is violent. I say tonight we gut the enemy. Come out of here with victory. Let him know I ain't backing up. I ain't scared of you. If there's anybody in the building tonight ought to be scared. It's the devil and those minions that showed up on the wrong night in the wrong place and their bows fell on the wrong ears. I'm telling you tonight, we're not taking prisoners. We're not giving quarter. We have come to be victorious and take his head off. Hey, it only takes one. It only takes one and the rest to look and go, if he can do it, we can do it too. Brother Branham said they cut Philistines all day long, pushed them against the wall and had them a big slaughter. I say we slaughter some demons tonight. Don't make a deal. Don't leave here with it. Don't leave here with a tormentor. Meet him tonight and declare war on him. It says, but when he come and fought against them, 
and taken from the people. Then God told him, told Israel, or Israel vowed to God, if he would deliver the king unto his hands, that he'd utterly destroy the land. And that's a type today. If God will give you the spirit, the Holy Spirit, utterly destroy sin out of your life. Move on. Nothing can stop the church. Nothing can stop the church. Listen, I understand that there's times that we're attacked. To where we have to, we have to defend our position, where we have to hold, where we have to withstand. I, I understand that, but there's also a go and take it aspect of this battle. There's a go and, and take it part. There, there's a time where you go and take the land. Where you go destroy the destroyer. Where, where, where you go on the offensive. You, you don't just sit back on the defense. Listen, I understand that we need a good defense. We need to keep up the, the armor and guard the door and all those things. But Joshua could have had the best defensive encampment in history. Guarding the post, sitting out there watching Jericho and stayed there and he'd have never took the land. There comes a time of going and taking. We sat back and let him launch too many rockets over into our camp and just said, hunker down, bunker down, boys. Hold, hold, hold. There comes a point where we load it up and start launching rockets back at him. I am the Lord God that healeth thee. By his stripes, I am healed. Grab a hold of a rocket tonight. Whatever you need, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Load it up and launch it at the enemy tonight and go on the attack and take back some of the things he's taken from you he had to move forward to possess Joshua was on the attack amen and by going on the attack that meant he made footsteps he was taking he was making footsteps and tonight you got to start making footsteps toward what it is you need start making footsteps toward your victory Listen, walk in it, walk on it, walk through it, walk wherever you got to walk, but those footsteps is possession. Take another step tonight. Make footsteps towards your lost children tonight. Make footsteps towards that broken marriage tonight, towards a healed marriage. Make footsteps towards a well body tonight. Take another step, but it's such a far journey. You'll never get there without taking the first step, and then take another step, and another step, and eventually you're going to step right into the victory that he called you to but you won't get it sitting still tonight. You gotta go forward. You gotta go take it. Get out of the foxhole and charge the enemy tonight. Hallelujah. Go get the victory. What is it that David said? He said, this day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. Now Saul, the son of Kish, he said, ah, let's hang out in the tent. The days of miracles is over. We're just going to have to let that, that, that devil walk around there and there. That, well, we can't cast out depression. Have you seen the size of that pornography devil? Just uh, listen, brother. Just think about how much it hurt your family. And, um, and when you think about that and re relate that pain and then begin to. Come on, Saul. Come on. It's not time to be his sons of Kish. No, it's time to act like somebody that's been anointed by the prophet to go into the valley and take the enemy's head off tonight. It's time to go on the attack, amen. It's time for deliverances in the house of God. It's time for healings in the house of God. 
It's time for your refilling in the Holy Ghost tonight. Hallelujah. How many believes in that? That you can be refilled once again. Amen. Brother Brown said the dynamics of this church will be a refilling of the Holy Ghost. Don't let me hinder that, Lord. Pour it out on me tonight. I need another refilling. I need more courage. I need more joy. I need more peace. I don't want to be a coward. I don't want to be found hiding. But tonight, Lord, let me declare war on the enemy. Let me go forward and take it tonight. Amen. Amen. Deuteronomy 12.1 said, These are the statutes and judgments which you, you shall observe to do in the land which the Lord God of thy fathers giveth thee to possess. Possess it all the days that you live upon the earth. Ye shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which ye shall possess serve their gods upon the high mountains and upon the hills and under every green tree. And you shall overthrow their altars and break their pillars and burn their groves with fire. And you shall hew down the graven images of their gods and destroy the names of them out of that place. Now as I read that, I didn't find anywhere where they made any kind of deals. There were no treaties signed to where, well, if we give you this and you give this, he said destroy them. He said destroy the places they serve their gods and he said burn their groves with fire. Well, surely, Brother Aaron, if, we, if we'll just listen to him. And listen what it is they have to say. And maybe we can find places where we can, we can draw some things from the way they do, you know. And, and maybe we can help you know, mutually benefit one another. And, and you know, maybe we, if we would quit being so harsh about certain things. And if we'd back off just a little bit, then maybe we could win more. In Burn it. Burn it. Cast it down. Destroy it. Don't even leave their names in the place. Burn the thing to the ground. This is total war. It is reality. We're not to pamper things. I kind of have a reputation for talking a lot about history. So here we go. During the American Civil War, there were you know, there was wonderful men on both sides of that war. And there were some awful men on both sides of that war. But two central characters that will be names you recognize, just to compare and contrast for a moment, was General Robert E. Lee and General William Sherman. You know, and Robert E. Lee was widely considered as one of the greatest strategists in the entire war, and if not only in that war, but of any war. Many of his battle plans are still studied today and because of how bold they were, how swift they were, how daring they were. And, and yet, General Lee was a gentleman to everyone, even to his enemies. And, you know, we look at that and we admire that because he was a good man. But he was at war. Understand that. He was at, he was at, at war and... When they invaded the north up into Pennsylvania, the army had strict instructions. And this just kind of shows the kind of man that he was. And they were told, do not interfere with the lives of civilians at all. Do not damage the property of the civilians. We are not at war with, with the civilians. We want them to see that we mean them no harm. Even to the point that there are stories, and I understand that down through time, stories become exaggerated and whatnot. But there are stories of men receiving severe punishment for tearing down split rail fences so they could have firewood at night and not freeze. 
And he would come in, and the order was, though, not to destroy any property. So even for the sake of firewood, they would receive punishment and things like that. And then on the other end of this spectrum is General Sherman. <laughs> we all know about General Sherman, and i gotta, I got to admit, it's kind of hard to preach a sermon where you kind of make Sherman the good guy, especially in this part of the world. But General Sherman, other men had tried to outmaneuver the southern armies. Other men had had the gentleman's approach. They had fought a pretty war, a poetic war, a war of pageantry. I mean, you know how it is. A war where people don't weep their way to Calvary anymore. A war where there's no prayer lines. And a war where you don't, you know, you don't, you, know, you definitely don't want somebody to shake out a bobby pin. You know, just the forms of a church service. And we've gathered for battle, but, but really, are we? You know, a pretty war, a poetic war, you know, a war where sin isn't called out from the pulpit anymore. And, and this is the kind of war as it was that the union was fighting. It was known as a war of conciliation, a limited war. It's the idea that most of the people on the enemy side really aren't our enemies. You, you know what I mean by that. Like, this really isn't a bad thing. This is a family trait. You know, my daddy had a temper, and it just runs in our family, and that's just, that's just how we are. It's not really that big a deal. I'm just turned a little bit negative. It's just my nature. It's not really my enemy. Well, I have a right to be bitter. They hurt me. And this ain't something I need to let go of. They need to fix this. It's a war where you don't really recognize who the enemy is. So, I'll, you know, I'll eventually grow out of this. We'll eventually overwhelm the South with our, with our numbers. And Sherman realized in all of that, the war was not getting won. They tried to out-strategize him. They tried to outmaneuver him. They tried to fight a pretty war, and they were getting beat on every battlefield. So in 1863, he began to apply what he called the hard hand of war. And he did this in central Mississippi in the Meridian Campaign. And for the first time, Sherman would order his troops to wage a war of destruction it says here it says Sherman's goal was to make Georgia howl we are not only fighting hostile armies but a hostile people and we must make old young rich and poor feel the hard hand of war we cannot change the hearts and minds of those people of the south but we can make war so terrible and make them so sick of war that generations will pass away before they would again appeal to it German contended that the United States and its representatives had the right to remove and destroy every obstacle if need be, take every life, every acre of land, every particle of property, everything that to us seems proper, and that all who do not aid our enemies, and we will not account to them for our acts. That seems harsh. And yet I take from that and I go, perfect. That is absolutely perfect. It's time we destroy whatever we have to destroy, act however we have to act. Listen, he says we don't have to give account to people for how we conduct this war. I think it's time we quit worrying about how people think or, or, or worry about how we conduct our church services. I'm not here to worry about it being pretty. I ain't here to worry about it offending somebody. I ain't worried if you think it's out of order. I'm here to win. I'm here to be victorious. We will do whatever it takes. If somebody's got to run to get free, run. I don't care. Whatever you got to do, win. 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 Sherman said, I don't care about all that stuff. We've 
church ordered long enough and the battle ain't getting won. He said, let's tear it up. Tear it up. If it's in the way of your victory, burn it down. If it's in the way of your joy, burn it down. If it's in the way of the Holy Ghost, burn it down. Sometimes things get in our way. There was a lot of people in the way of those four men trying to get somebody to Jesus and they couldn't get in. So they tore the roof off the place. They took Sherman's tactics. We're going to do whatever we got to do and tear up whatever we got to tear up, but we're going to win. We're going to get to Jesus. We're going to push through. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I am here to win. Hallelujah. We got to get the attitude that we're here to win. He was no longer concerned with people's feelings and what they thought proper. Sometimes I think we've church church ordered the Holy Spirit right out of some services. He was concerned with winning. Brother Brown says, God help us to get out of order once in a while. The trouble, you know, some... I don't know, Brother Donnie, maybe this is a seed that we can all just spit out, and that's okay if it is. But he's mostly preaching to Pentecostal people. The people that we think didn't have no church order. That was, a, you know, a little out of control, a lot of wildfire, and he's telling them, God, help us to get out of order once in a while. What would he say to us? He says, the trouble of it is you got too much order. Pentecostals? Get out of order. I hope the church gets out of order long enough to get saved. That's what Sherman did. He got out of order. This wasn't how you're supposed to fight a war. But he said, I want to win the war. I'm not worried about what everything is done and how everybody thinks we should operate. If it stands in the way of victory, we're going to burn it down. That's exactly how Sherman began to, to, to fight. And we got to get to that place. Any idea, any ism, any division, any family thing we've held on to for so long that we think is so important, if it's hindering you or your family, get rid of it tonight. Get rid of it because it's not worth losing the battle. It's not worth it. Do you think right now if Sherman could stand here, he would care what his reputation was? He'd say, I won. I'm sorry you hate me, but I won. I'm sorry I burned everything down. Listen, I look right at the devil and say, you can hate me all you want, but I'm winning. I'm winning. You can look at me and say, well, you're a little fanatical. Okay, but I'm winning. I'm taking a rapture. And maybe you don't got to act like me. That's fine. But I'm going to do whatever I got to do to win. It's total war for total victory. Deuteronomy 20, 16. But of the cities of these people which the Lord thy God doth give thee for an inheritance, thou shalt save alive nothing that breatheth. Wow. Anything that has stood on your inheritance. Notice, they had stood on the inheritance that they were going to possess. Anything that has stood on your inheritance, spare none of it. Anything that has tried to stop you, anything that has tried to hinder you or, or, or made you think that you couldn't have it, spare none of it. Don't spare anything. Verse 17, but thou shalt utterly destroy them, namely the Hittites and the Amorites and the Canaanites 
the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Brother Brown says, listen, destroy your enemy before your enemy destroys you. He'll do it. Bring back the old-fashioned meetings and the thing. And oh, leave Delilah alone. Leave the world alone. And that thing that woos you off into little things you shouldn't. The little things, troubles come up in the church and you won't stand correction because you don't have to. You can drop off to another church and things like that. In the early days when a man, when a man didn't cope up with the word of God, they packed him out dead. I thank God for every single church we got. There's a quote where Brother Branham says something to the effect, forgive me, I'm paraphrasing that there's um, booze joints on every corner. We need to put a church on every corner. I'm thankful for every church there is. But it's also created a situation to where, oh, he stepped on my toes Well, I can go to this church. And he stepped on my toes here so I can go to this church. And you create a whole generation of, of message rabbits because they're church hoppers. That's all they want to do. They hop from this church and hop to that church. And you know what they teach their kids? You don't have to be corrected. You don't have to let the word correct you. You don't have to believe the man of God's anointed. You don't have to believe none of that. If he hurts your feelings, just quit. Just give up. Just move somewhere where they won't hurt your feelings. I don't know. Maybe that's not something you deal with here. But it was just it was in the quote. So we, we preached it for a second. He says, if in the old days, if a man didn't cope up with the word of God, they packed him out dead. Bring us back to Pentecost. Not Hollywood showmanship, but a wholehearted turn to God is what we need. Once more, Lord. Oh, once more. He says in another place, let me say this, friend. You better destroy your enemy before your enemy destroys you. Now, we're going to turn this a little bit for a moment. Because people love this statement. They love, oh, yeah, destroy your enemy before it destroys you. They get behind that. People will rally behind that statement. They have no problem with it, but what they have a problem with is recognizing the enemy. Oh, yeah, destroy your enemy. Destroy your enemy. Look in the mirror. You got to be able to recognize your enemy. And so they toy with things that they should be destroying. They toy with pride. They toy with unbelief. They toy with complexes. They toy with unforgiveness. They toy with bitterness. They toy with rebellion. Not recognizing that those things aren't to be toyed with. They are the enemy and they want to destroy you. They want to kill you. They want to rob you. They want to see you miss the rapture. That's what they're doing. And the people refuse to recognize the enemy. And that's the thing about total war is it recognizes the uncomfortable enemies. Sherman was willing to look at the people and say, they're the enemy. But General Sherman, what have they done? They raise cattle that feeds the army. These railroad tracks takes the cattle to the army. And we all, listen, everybody wants to say, yeah, destroy the devil. Destroy the devil. Destroy the devil because it's obvious. Listen, you got two great enemies, the devil and you. And it's debatable which one's the worst. It is a tight race. Sometimes on Mondays, I think it's me. It's a tight race. Who's your worst enemy? The devil or yourself? But total war recognizes the uncomfortable enemies. It recognizes that little devils 
grow up to be big devils. That little attitudes grow up to be big attitudes. That a little rebellion turns into a lot of rebellion. That I can do away with that word turns into I can do away with that sermon. And then you step off on a slippery slope and all of a sudden, how did I get here? You didn't deal with the uncomfortable enemies in your life. You didn't deal with the root of bitterness. You didn't deal with your pride. You didn't deal with family cycles. You didn't deal with you. Oh, the devil, the devil, the devil. Deal with yourself. Deal with the enemy. Recognize it tonight. He says, after a while, when Joshua took the land, God told him, utterly destroy everything there is. Don't leave nothing. Why, could you imagine some of them Israelite women picking up a little baby? Oh, isn't this cute? Look at it. It ain't even got teeth yet. Joshua said, kill it. The mother said, oh, I'm a mother. I can't kill a baby. Joshua said, hand it here. I'll kill it. Hand it here. Why? It might look cute now, but it'll grow up and be just like its daddy. You can't baby sin. It's got to be handled not with gloves on, but barehanded. Well, I don't understand why that's so wrong, Brother Aaron. I don't understand why I'm not allowed to have an opinion. Why is it that that even really matters? Why did Brother Branham have to say it that way? Well, you know, that's just the way I am. And I, I don't think, oh boy. Well, I don't understand. Oh, boy. Well, you know, I think if we... Now we're getting into the uncomfortable enemies. We're getting to the place that we don't really like to talk about. You see, everybody wants to kill the devil because he's the obvious enemy. That's just obvious. Everybody believes the quote, destroy your enemy before it destroys you. But how many of us like to really identify where the enemy is? And so because it can't be us... It can't be us. It's got to be them. Or it's got to be Brother Donnie. It's got to be those mean deacons. Or people really fall off the rails and it's got to be Brother Louie's fault. Because the devil ain't going to never let you aim the gun at you. So what do you do? You aiming at everybody else. It must be them. It must be their fault. They're the reason and them and this and this. And because you're so busy firing your weapons out there, you never one time get them trained where they should be trained. And that's on the devil and on, and on your flesh. This right here. This right here has got to be dealt with. This right here has got to be put under the blood. This right here has got to come under the token. This right here is your enemy. The flesh. Oh, we like to just let that outlet go out. Yep, flesh is my enemy. You should see how my wife talked to me the other day. No, I ain't talking about your wife or your husband or your kids. They're not your enemy. Little soul searching. Little bit of honesty. So others become the problem. But you got to apply total war to you. Brother Brown said, God said, utterly destroy the thing. Amen. Hallelujah. What we need today. He stops and says, you're a baby and you sissy around with a whole lot of things you ought to be destroying. There's a lot of people would not have liked him for a pastor. You're a baby. And you're sissying around with a lot of things you ought to be destroying. There's a reason that God demands that they all be killed. Because anything you don't deal with tonight 
will face you in the morning. Anything you don't deal with now is going to come back around and try to destroy you at a later time. You're going to have to face it sooner or later. So as bad and as morbid as it may sound, I'd rather deal with it when it's little. I'd rather deal with it when it's a baby. I'd rather deal with that bitterness now than let it get all wrapped up in my heart to where I can't hardly get it out of there because it stayed there for years. Kill it tonight. Kill it tonight. Let it go tonight. Surrender it tonight. Walk away from it tonight. Declare war on it tonight. We're going to look at this for a little bit in Samuel as we begin to pull this down. 1 Samuel 15. And we're going to go through this chapter. Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. And spare them not, but slay both man and women, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. This is total war. General Sherman had nothing on this. But this is what it takes to bring about total victory. Without total war, there is not total victory. Going into verse 4, And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them, and tell them 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and laid wait in the, in the valley. I'm going to skip down to verse 7. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou comest to Shur, that is, over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. Uh-oh. Everything was going so good. Everything was lining up so perfect. But we have an uh-oh. And utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. How is it that in the middle of deliverance, in the middle of victory, in the middle of a mighty move of God, we stop and let the enemy escape? Why is it that we let the enemy live? It's because we don't think it matters. It's because we think there's value in it. You think there's value in your opinion. You think there's value in your ideas. And so you put it there up against the word, even though the word says get rid of it. Even though the word says destroy it, because you value it, you won't kill it. Verse 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refused, that they destroyed utterly. Well, yeah, it's vile and refused. We can see where that needs to die. Of course we don't need to do those things. Of course not. Absolutely destroy that. I see where that's wrong. But listen, all of it was a link back. Every last one of it was a link back to the enemy's claim on the land. If one was still alive, they could say, we had it first. This was ours first. It may have been years ago, but I have a claim here. I lived here before you did. That's why you got to destroy your ideas. That's why you got to destroy your thoughts. Because all of it is a link back to the curse. 
All of it is a link back to this flesh right here that tries to lay a claim on your soul. And so if you don't lay it down, when you lose that ugly temper or you say things you shouldn't, there's a link back. And he says, see, I was here first. I had you first. I say tonight, wipe out every claim. Deal with every claim on the land. This body has a claim on it. It was not his first. It was God's first. It was laid out here before the world was ever in existence. All the elements were here. And one day, it will resurrect. It will not be a replacement. It will be a resurrection because God had a claim on it first. But you've got to wipe out all the other things that are already linked back to the curse. Wipe those things out, that attitude, that rebelliousness, that unforgiveness. It's all a link back. Verse 10. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king. For he has turned back from following me and have not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. Notice, Saul did a lot of what God told him to do. Oh, I feel like there's a lot of us. We've done a lot of what God has told us to do. But look at how God looks at it. Failure to do any of it was a failure in all of it. We better quit judging ourselves based off the public school system grading scale. 94%, that's an A. God says, F. You failed. 98%, I'm doing really good. Now listen, all of us have fallen short. We're talking about intentional disobedience. I see it, and I go, nah, 98's good enough. There better be an effort to be 100% on every last bit of it. And if you happen to fall short, then plead the blood with all your heart. Plead the blood, Lord. Maybe I stumbled, maybe I fell. I see it there, Lord. I'm fighting for it, and I plead the blood for every shortcoming I have. But an intentional disregard for the word, in the least, is a complete failure. I want you to go with me to verse 12. And when Saul rose up, Samuel rose up early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a place and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, now notice the self-righteousness of Saul. Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandments of the Lord. Wow. That is a total contradiction to what the word just said about Saul. Saul standing there, oh, absolutely, I'm, I'm born again. I've got the new birth. I'm, I'm doing exactly what the word tells me to do. Each, I mean, yeah, okay, so Wednesdays ain't that big a deal. But I come to my own Sundays every time I can. Oh, no, 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 we're, we're living a good life. I would hate for you to see my movie collection, but other than that, man, we are Christians. Saul says, look what I've done. Look at how it prospers. Listen, your prosperity has nothing to do with whether or not you're living right. Brother Brandon would tell us that the hardships of life don't always mean somebody is out of the will of God. And he said the blessings of life don't mean that you're in the will of God. And we get so proud. Look what I built. Look at this business. Look how God prospers me. And yet you're snared out of the house of God. And you're going to sit there and say, God did that? God kept you out of the house of God? 
You are so blessed that he kept you on vacation 49 weeks out of the year. But those three times you were here, boo, it was good. I'm leaving in the morning. He says, look how it prospers. I've done what God said do. Listen, do not get to the end of the line and point to what you've done. It won't be enough. I promise you, don't get to that place and and point to, well, I'm a believer. I accepted the message. I'm a believer. I've said this before. I'll, I'll congratulate you as well. If you're a believer, congratulations. You've reached the level of the devil. Y'all are standing on the same level. He's a believer. And he trembles. He's got some of us beat. At least he's got some respect and fear, understanding the power of it. Some of us have done away with the power. We're denying the power thereof. I say, don't stay with I'm a believer. Say, I'm a believer and then go further. I'm a believer and I've been born again. I'm a believer and I'm fighting. I'm a believer and I'm pressing. I'm a believer and I'm leaving everything in this world behind. Yes, I'm a believer, but that's not where I'm stopping. I'm going on. I'm going further. I'm fighting for more. Yes, I'm a believer. I thank God you're a believer but there's so much more go attain it tonight declare war tonight we can't get to the place where we're like Saul and we'll argue with the word and we can look into the Bible listen there's no debate on whether or not there has to be a new birth you can look in the Bible the first doctrine Jesus preaches a man must be born again or he will no wise enter into the kingdom of God look at look at what the prophet says in 1964 what's the matter today with the people a new birth, they're all, they all dodge it. They don't like it. Oh, they have substituted something for the new birth. Come up and believe, and that's all you have to do. The devil believes himself, and you know he's not born again. There's a new birth. There's something that goes with it, and it's kind of unfitting and untasting to the world. We can't dodge the new birth, church. We can't dodge the new birth, and we got to start recognizing who the enemy is and be willing to die out to self. You must go to the upper room for yourself. Verse 14. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They. They. It can't be me. It can't be me. It's they. They have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people... Spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Still trying to defend his actions. Still trying to deflect blame. Listen, self-righteous folk ain't much on accepting blame. They don't too much like like blame. Folks that have a a, a religious spirit on them, they they don't like to see the error of their ways. It's always going to be they. It's always going to be they. And when you can't admit fault, then you can never be delivered. Verse 16. Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly open the spool and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? 
Notice how God interprets his actions so much different than the way Saul interprets his actions. And Saul said unto Samuel, listen, he's standing in the face of the prophet. Now, maybe not in person, but on tape and on books, you can look right into the face of the prophet, into, into the word of God. He looks right in the face of the prophet and says, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. He has gotten so lifted up in self and is so, has such an inability to recognize self as the enemy to where he values his opinion over what the prophet has just said to him lip to ear. The prophet said this, and he says, no, you're wrong. I did what God told me to do. I have obeyed the Lord. That's just your opinion, Brother Donnie. That is just your opinion. I have done all that God has told me and commanded me to do. Verse 21, but the people took the spool, sheep and oxen, and chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. Interesting there. Suddenly it's thy God. Said the Lord, our God. Saul couldn't line up to the word. He just kept making excuses, kept making excuses. Quit making excuses tonight and line up to what the word says to line up to. Declare total war on anything that is standing in your way. Listen, I had to declare war on who I was. I say none of this self-righteously. I was a scum of the earth, not good person. Oh, surely, surely I was. And I sat, raised up on the church pew, raised up in a message church, in a mighty good church. And I was lost and I was filthy and I had my own ideas and I had to declare war on who I was and recognize what you've learned and what you know means nothing. And only then, then and only then could I truly be saved and filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost when I realized Aaron Oglesby had nothing of value to offer the Lord Jesus. My opinions needed to die. My attitudes needed to die. My rebellion needed to die so that he could live in me. And until you get to that point, you won't have total victory. I had to recognize it. And dying out to self isn't easy. Dying out to self hurts. But it's something that we all must do. I've recognized the enemy. I see where it's at. And now I want to lay that life down so that a better life, a greater life, a holy life, a righteous life, an eternal life can come and dwell on the inside of me I had to declare war on me I could have laid back as a crutch and say well my daddy said this and my parents didn't have a good relationship and I was hurt here and I was scarred there none of it mattered lay it down lay it down tonight and say Lord I'm yours you take me you mold me you show me the truth and then when he shows it to you be willing to walk in it well I see that, that I see it right there but mom and daddy said I see it right there, but the church I was raised in says, can you declare war on that tonight and side with the word of God? Can you side with what this says? Can you march under these marching orders right here? Verse 22. And Samuel said, hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? 
Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Now, I'm going to stop just a minute and deal with this. If you know me at all, you know I love freedom of worship. You know I love it when, when the people get loose and the spirit gets free and people run and they jump and they shout and they speak. I love all that stuff. But I'm going to tell you right now, he would much rather you live a clean, holy, sanctified, pure life and be somebody that don't do those things than be a runner all over this place with sin in your life. I just thought we'd hit that for just a second. Yes, he wants your worship. Yes, he desires it. Yes, he wants pure Pentecostal worship just like at the beginning. But he wants pure worship from clean vessels. He wants the worship to come from an overcoming, victorious life. So I'm all for that. I support it. I'll never take your jump or your shout or your dance from you. Matter of fact, I'll throw gas on the fire when you're doing it. I love it. But let that same drink you give him on Sunday be the drink that he gets out of your life on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Oh, we love to give him worship on Sunday. Then Monday he's at the well waiting going. They were sure fired up yesterday. Where are they at on Monday morning? To obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Verse 23, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And we're going to skip down to verse 32 as we wrap this up. Then said Samuel, bring ye hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came unto him delicately. And Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. This word delicately here says he came in a stately manner. Treading lightly, but in a stately manner to let him know I am a king. I'm the king that has ruled over your life. But surely, surely you can forget about all that depression that I put on you. Surely you can forget about the hardship that I brought into your home and, and the anxiety and the trouble you've had sleeping. And, and the, surely you can forget about all that stuff and, and we can let bygones be bygones. And he says tonight, don't declare war on me tonight. It's okay, I'll back off for a little bit. Surely all that stuff is, is behind us. I, I know I've hurt you. I, I know, but all that's in the past now. Just let me live one more day. Let me live one more day. And Samuel said, as thy sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. I'm telling you tonight, the Lord will give you total victory when you're willing to declare total war. If you're willing to draw your sword tonight and hew that thing that's bothering you into pieces, cut it up, destroy it, burn it, tear it down, be done with it, and leave it in the past and walk away from it. Don't leave it here and pick it up in the morning. Don't leave it here and try to carry it again. Cut it to pieces tonight. Destroy it. Tear it up. Leave none of it behind. Make it unrecognizable. Quit identifying with it. That's not your depression. It's not your anxiety. It's not a pet. Quit petting the thing. Well, my depression. It's not your depression. That's not who you are. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God. You're not called depression. You're not called anxiety. You're not called cancer or sickness. You're a son or daughter of the living God. Your name was on the book of the Lamb before the foundation of the world. Quit answering to depression. 
Quit answering to anxiety. Cut it up tonight. Deal with it tonight. Declare war on it tonight. Hallelujah. Will you stand with me? The musicians can come. We're going to look at Esther 3 as we close this. Whatever and wherever you've stopped short, deal with it tonight. Don't let it linger another day because it will return to fight you. It will come to fight you. Don't procrastinate. Don't hesitate to do all that the word tells you to do. Don't have mercy on the devil even for a moment. Bitterness has ate you up. Deal with it tonight. Unforgiveness is in your heart. Let it go tonight. If you have a critical spirit, deal with it tonight. Lay it down tonight. We find Haman over in Esther is a... This is incredible to me. And I know we don't always put... Thus saith the Lord or stock into Jewish histories and Jewish writings. But I found this incredible. You know, we find Haman over in Esther is a direct descendant of the Amalekites that Saul was supposed to destroy. And he even carries the name of their king, Agag. Verse 1 of chapter 3 in Esther says, And after these things did King Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of Hamaditha, the Agagite. Jewish writings say that the leniency shown by Saul to King Agag actually made it possible for Haman to appear because he had been had he been killed one day sooner one day sooner or the day he was supposed to be killed the great peril which the Jews had to undergo at the hands of Haman would have been averted because it was in that time frame of one day that Agag's lineage lineage was able to continue and led directly to Haman that one day let me live one day. Let me live one more day. But you don't have to be a Saul today. You don't have to be a Saul. Regardless of where you find yourself, you can be a Mordecai. You can be a Mordecai today because the Bible would tell us in Esther 2 and 5 that Mordecai was a descendant of Kish. So not only do we have a descendant of Agag, but once again, we have one of Saul's or Kish's descendants on the scene. And God gives Mordecai the opportunity to be a cycle breaker. He says, listen, tonight your daddy might have failed. Your mama might have failed. Daddy might not have took his head off. Mama might not have declared war when she is supposed to. But tonight, I'm giving you the opportunity. You can deal with it. You can fight it. You can say it ends tonight. My children won't deal with this. The cycle won't continue. But tonight, we're going to hang him from the hallows. Tonight, we're going to pull our sword and chop him to pieces. Because the cycle ends here. It will not carry on. Tonight, we deal with it. Tonight, we declare war. Tonight, there's freedom in the house of God. You do not have to walk out of here with the same spirit hanging on you that you walked in here with tonight. Leave it here, declare war, and total war will bring you absolute total victory. God bless you tonight, saints.
sure that God spoke to every one of us tonight, one way or another. No matter where you find yourself. As our brothers so brought it to us in such an open, wonderful way. And we can see, as the prophet told us, our greatest enemy is ourself. But no one looking around now, just you and the Lord. May the Lord be able to deal with each of us. Begin with me, Lord. All the way back to the nurseries upstairs, to the sound booth, to those that are in their living room, maybe they're in their bedroom, they're sick and they can't even get up. But may the Spirit of God deal with each of us under the sound of His Word tonight. That we will not only be just people who believe and people who worship and people who love God, but people of war. Apparently the Lord's wanting to get this over to us. Brother Darrell just a couple of Wednesday nights ago spoke about war. So the Lord wants us to hear it and to be ready. We don't want our enemy to destroy us. You remember those quotes that he quoted there tonight was taken from where Brother Brandon was preaching about Samson. Destroy your enemy before your enemy destroys you. Both of those were from the sermons about Samson. And Samson did not destroy his enemy, but his enemy almost annihilated him. Had not it been for the grace of God, it would have destroyed him. So may the Lord help us that we can be able to look at ourselves. Now, don't think about your wife. Don't think about your brother. Don't think about the pastor or someone else who you think has hindered you. But think about you. Heavenly Father, we are grateful tonight for your word. Lord, we don't want to be the type of people that will bring a pitchfork to church. And we will throw this and that the other. Well, I wish so-and-so was there tonight, and so-and-so sure needed that. Boy, he sure preached on this person and that person. Lord God, we want to apply the word to our hearts, our lives, our souls, our minds, and especially our flesh. For we know, Lord, that it is a battle, and it will be, as you so vividly described it to us tonight until this body is changed. But we believe that we can live a life that will bring this flesh subject to the Word of God. And it truly will be a battle because the soul being converted wars every day against the flesh, which is not. But it can be dominant. He didn't know, neither do these people know. But just sitting studying last night, and one of our rights, and I'll deal with Lord willing on Sunday, will be the right to reign. And before, Lord, I was going to deal with us reigning with you. I was going to deal with Basilio, which is Satan, wanting to reign in our flesh. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body. Basilio, which means to be king. So the Bible was speaking to people that were saved, Christians, but Satan still want to be king of our flesh. Oh, Jesus, we bring ourselves to you tonight, Lord. Our ideas, our opinions, our scars, our shortcomings, our hurt feelings, all those things. Lord, many of these folks laid down cigarettes years ago, and it ain't bothered them since. 
but there'll be many people that'll be took to hell by bitterness that hadn't smoked, never smoked a cigarette. And we know that bitterness and resentment and sarcastic, we know the prophet himself told his church, he said, pray for me, because I have developed such a critical spirit. I criticize this, <clears throat> I criticize that. It was not something he was proud of. He wanted deliverance from it. Oh, Jesus, may we be able to look at ourselves tonight, Father, not the way Saul did. How blind he was to think that he was following your will so perfectly, and yet he would not take what the prophet said. He felt led, or he was convinced, or he had a, some type of feeling or something, and he took it directly over what the prophet's message was. Dear God, help us tonight, Father. I don't believe you've sent this word, Lord, for the church at Sinking Creek. I don't believe you sent this word tonight for Brother Ron Spencer's church. You sent it for our church. I wish this person and that person and another person would have been here, but I was here, and I heard you speak to me. And Lord, I pray each one here tonight would say, Father, help me, Lord. We raise our hands in your presence, Lord. Oh, Jesus, it's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, oh, Lord. Help us, I pray tonight, Heavenly Father. Oh, Lord, it's not that many of these people are living loose, sinful lives, but you're calling us to a higher place. And remember, every time you've done something with the prophet's walk, you would say, tell him to consecrate himself a little more. Before the angels come down, he said, consecrate yourself, separate yourself from these men. So you, we hear not a call that we've got to get saved, not a call that we've got to all be rebaptized. We hear a call for a deeper walk. We believe there's greater things that lay before us, Father. And we don't think we can go into those greater things walking on this plane where we are tonight. We must come closer. Oh, Jesus, don't pass us by tonight, Father. We've heard your word now. We need your spirit to quicken it to us. We need your spirit to touch us, Lord. So as Fanny Crosby said it so many, many years ago, while on others, Thou art calling, do not pass me by. So, Jesus, I make it personal to you tonight. Don't pass me by, Lord. Oh, Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. Help me that I can recognize my enemy, Father. Oh, dear God, that we will declare total war. The majority of the people in the South that mention the name Sherman, they still don't like him to this day. He's not very well thought of by many of the, many of the authors in the South. Destroyed much of their buildings, much of their architecture, and this and that. But this very mention of his name brought a paralyzing fear among the people. May it be said about us, whenever the devils mention our names, May it be a paralyzing fear that shakes through hell. Hallelujah. Not only because we are out to get them, but we know who our greatest enemy is, ourself. 
I wonder how Brother Branham would feel whenever we idolize his greatest enemy. Many of the message people idolized the flesh of Brother Branham, and he declared that flesh to be his greatest enemy. Greater than epilepsy, greater than denominationalism, himself, and yet many of us idolize that enemy. It's no wonder then we idolize ourselves. Help us, I pray, Father, to declare total war. It would be hard to kill a little Malachite baby. It would be hard to kill in those days a little Jebusite. We'd found it on the side of the road and it was crying. Its mother was dead. Its father was dead. Our human compassion, which we find out is against the will of God many times, would have picked it up. We would have snuck it home against the message of the hour and we would have babied it and pampered it and raised it as our own. And every day would have been against the will of God. Help us, Father. Maybe we've took a little Jebusite here and a little Amorite there and a little Hittite here and a little Hivite there. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, may the Spirit of God help each of us, Father, to drag out our swords and start killing our enemies. Grant it, Lord God. How many wants to be remembered tonight before the Lord? That's your desire. God, help me to kill my enemy before my enemy kills me. Oh, hallelujah. Remember reading in the book of Joshua? When Joshua was getting ready to depart now, they still had not taken their land. They still had not moved in. And there was a move. It's been several years since I read it, and I don't remember if it was the tribe of Benjamin or if it was the tribe of Joseph, the Manasseh tribe. But the Bible says that they let this certain group of people live, and they didn't kill them. And then it was like a plague that started among every other tribe, and they did not kill them, and they did not kill them, and they did not kill them. So it was a move among the whole entire message that they begin to let these enemies live. And before long, they begin to worship their gods. Their children begin to worship their gods. And then you find in the days of Nehemiah that the people spake in the language half of Ashdod and half of Hebrew. So they made their own language. And it was a language of a hybrid to word that they merged it together. Oh, God, help us. Help us, Lord. How many thanks God tonight for the sermon? You appreciate it. You believe God spoke to your heart. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just sing it together. Oh, Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. Let's sing it to him now. I'm crying, Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. Mean it with all your heart now. Thank you, Lord. Oh, while on earth thou art called me, 
God pass me by. Everybody with all your heart, let's cry to him now. Crying Savior, my blessed Savior. Master, won't you Hold all your heart. Oh, while on others thou art calling. Yes, Lord God, do not pass me throne of mercy. If you have a need of prayer, Brother Aaron, I'll be glad to pray for you. Find a sweet relief. Oh, yes, Lord. Kneeling's there indeed. Be honest with him now, Lord. Lord, help. Help my unbelief. Everybody now. Oh, I'm crying. Grant it, Jesus. Grant it, Lord Jesus. You sent your word tonight, Father. Search our hearts, Lord. May we apply it to our lives, dear God. Oh, while on others thou art called. We're calling, Lord. Do not pass me by. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. O pass me not, O gentle Savior. Won't you hear my heart? Hallelujah. Lord God, while on others thou art called. Sing it to him now. Lord, do not pass word of life, church, by with all of our hearts now. Savior. Oh, Savior, oh, my 
my blessed Savior. Lord God, hear my Thank you, Jesus. While on others thou art called, on others you're calling, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Don't pass me by. Trusting only. Oh, trusting only in. Well, not I've read my Bible four times. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes, but only in thy merit. Lord God, would I seek thy face? Yes, Lord God. Won't you heal my wounded, broken spirit? My spirit, Lord, oh, and save me by thy saving grace. Now with all of our hearts, oh, we're crying. my blessed Savior, oh Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, hear our humble cry, yes Lord God, hallelujah, while on others thou art Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Do not pass me. Don't pass me by. Don't pass me by. Oh, I'm crying, Savior. Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hear our humble cry. Hallelujah, Lord God. Tell him, tell him, while on others, Lord God, while on others you're calling, help me to see my shortcomings, Father. Don't just help my brother. Don't help my sister, but help me, Lord. Don't pass me by. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm crying, Savior. Savior. Oh, Jesus, hear my Hallelujah, 
Hallelujah. While on others thou art calling. Oh, Jesus, do not pass me by. Pass me not. Oh, I sing it. Oh, pass me not, oh, gentle Savior. If you're, won't you hear my humble cry? I mean, it with all your heart now. Well, Father, while you're calling on others, while you're calling on my brother, on my sister, I call Dear Jesus, do not pass me by. Everybody now with all your heart, hallelujah. Oh, Savior. Savior, hear my voice, my heart's cry. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. While on others thou art called. Master, do not pass me by. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, won't do, won't do, 99 and a half. Just won't do, oh, won't do, won't do, oh, 99 and a half, won't do, I said it won't do, it just won't do, oh, 99 and a half, Now that's a good grade in school, but it won't do, it won't do, no 99 and a half, just won't do. Come on, sing it with me now. Well, won't do, it just won't do, no, no, oh 99 and a half, won't do. Let's sing it again. Well, it won't do, no, it won't do, oh, 99 and a half won't do. 
99 and a half won't do. Anybody going with me? Oh, yes, I'm striving. I'm going to make a hundred. 99 and a half won't do. I'm declaring war tonight. I'm going to make a hundred. I wish somebody would help me sing it now. I'm declaring war tonight. I'm gonna make a hundred. Cause 99 and a half won't do. Let's sing it now. Won't do. Oh, won't do. Oh, it won't do. Come on, sing it with me now. 99 and a half won't do. And I have won't do. I'm saying it's over tonight. I'm gonna make a hundred. Cause 99 and a half just won't do. Oh, I'm saying it's over tonight. I'm gonna make a hundred. Somebody that's got your mind made up, sing it with me tonight. It won't do. It just won't do. Oh, 99 and a half. It just won't do. You can't clap your hands 99 and a half. You can't sing 99 and a half. You can't worship 99 and a half. Oh, somebody give him a hundred tonight. It just won't do. It won't do. of worship. I'm going to give you 100% of adoration. I'm going to give you 100% faith. I'm going to give you 100% and I'm going to give 100% to the devil and say devil, it is war. It is war. Won't do. Well, it won't do. Oh, 99 and a half won't do. Oh, some of you remember if you got 99% going to school, you thought, man, I made it in flying colors. Some of you, if you'd have made it, you'd have been cheating all the way because you know you didn't study that well to get it. But that might be good in school, but it won't work when it comes to God. We don't want to declare part war tonight, do we? Y'all just want to declare war about 20 feet out on your property. You're going to say, it's total war. 
It's total war. I want everything that's got my name on it. Look out, devil, here we come in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, I've got joy in my soul. Oh, let's worship soul. him a little bit tonight. God is in control. Let's worship him a little bit. Satan on my trail. Lord God, I'm seeing all his ways. Minister to He's tonight. attacking every day. I'm watching while I pray. No matter the attack, I won't turn back. Cause this means war. This means war, Satan. Oh, this, this means, means war. Hallelujah. Well, this means war. War on oppression. War on sadness. This means war. war on cancer. War on whatever gets in your way. Hallelujah. I got joy in my soul. My God is in control. I got Satan on my trail. But I'm singing all his will. Attacking every day, I'm watching while I pray. No matter the attack, I won't turn back. Cause this means war. Oh, this means war. Yes, this means war. I plead, I plead the blood. I plead, I plead the blood. Oh, I plead, I plead the blood. Oh, I plead, I plead the blood. Storm and the rain, but the blood still stays the same. Whatever's going wrong, I got my war clothes on. I might be in a daze. You can't have my praise No matter the attack I won't turn back Cause this means This means war This means war This means war This means war You can't have my increase. You can't have my breakthrough. You can't have my breakthrough. Oh, you can't have my, you can't have my, you can't, you can't, you can't. Oh, I plead, I plead the blood. I plead the blood of Jesus. Oh, I plead, I plead the blood. You 
can't have my increase. You can't have my increase. You can't have my breakthrough. You can't have my breakthrough. Oh, you can't have my, you can't have my, you can, you can, you can. Oh, I plead, I plead the blood. Oh, I plead, I plead the blood. Oh, I plead, I plead the blood. I plead, I plead the blood. Oh, devil, you can't have my family. I said you can't have my family. Oh, you can't have my praise. Oh, you can't have my praise. You can't have my. You can't have my. You can't have my family. I plead. I plead the blood.
was always watching. He's waiting on me to fall. But I've been through the storm and the wind and the rain, and I still the same. I know I've got victory over the enemy. And the world can't do me no harm. Oh, I've got victory, victory over the enemy. battle got the battle scars to show but i've come through the valley of the shadow of death and i'm fearing no evil at all but i've got victory over the enemy and the world can't do me no harm i've got victory over the enemy and the the word of the Lord this evening. Amen. How many had their toes stepped on tonight? Amen. How many is thankful to have your toes stepped on tonight? Amen. Thank God for his word. Amen. Let's just sing this little course as we're dismissed tonight. Let's just go singing about victory tonight. Amen. Oh, victory is mine. Victory is mine. Oh, victory today is mine. Oh, I told Satan, get thee behind. Victory today is mine. Oh, victory is mine. Victory is mine. Oh, victory today is mine, mine, mine. Satan, get thee behind, victory today is mine, oh joy is mine, joy is mine, joy today is mine, oh I told Satan, get thee have a doubt I knew that the Lord would bring me out oh so I got down on my knees I said Lord if you please I got up shouting victory oh victory is mine victory is mine victory today 
mine, mine, mine. Oh, I. 